You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I am Kenneth. And tonight, we are looking at the Star Hunter Redux episode, Goodbye. So long. There's a saboteur aboard the Transutopian, and her name is Percy. She's sabotaged Dante's air handler in his cabin to force them to take her shopping. With little choice, they go to Hino Station, a bustling market. There, Dante meets Ike, an old friend, and Ike's friend, Marcus. Ike still bears a bit of a grudge against Dante for stealing Penny from him, but, but that's all forgiven and they talk about old times over drinks while marcus keeps penny occupied ike has a secret some people are after something he has and although he hasn't told dante anything about that he needs to get off the station before they kill him he asks dante to take him to diane but dante won't help him as dante and percy make to leave ike is killed when his ship explodes marcus panics they'll be after him Reluctantly, Dante takes him aboard the Transutopian. On board the ship, Marcus is both more and less forthcoming. He becomes very critical of Ike, pointing out what a loser he was, but he will not tell Dante what this is all about. Completely forgetting about their standing orders that all passengers must be kept in the cells, Marcus is free to roam the ship. He finds Percy, and after sabotaging Caravaggio, kills Percy stone dead with a spanner to the back of the head. Then he subdues Lucretia, and then takes Dante prisoner at gunpoint, locking him in the cells below, where we discover Marcus can't do anything right because Lucretia and Percy are locked in one of the cells, and Percy isn't actually stone dead. Raiders rendezvous with the ship, and with Marcus's assurances that Ike told Dante where the MacGuffin is before he died, they tortured Dante for information he doesn't have. Dante won't crack, the raiders decide to torture Percy instead. At this point, Marcus switches sides, maybe, and kills the raiders and surrenders to Dante. Irrelevantly, Percy and Lucretia escape from their cell and make their way to the bridge so we don't have to make a return trip to the cells to get them out. But we still go because Marcus is escorted to the cells. Dante roughs him up until he reveals that the MacGuffin is some special terraforming seeds and the raiders really want them. Percy is good enough to reactivate Caravaggio and free him of the virus, but not good enough to stop the ship's pre-programmed course to Dione. The raiders want these things really badly. Therefore, Dante sees it as nothing but an opportunity to bargain for Travis. Lucretia uses her orchard resources to find the contact on Dione. Pursuing raiders' ships are just a short time behind them. They won't have much time. Dante goes to meet the contact, but he won't talk till Marcus is there. Luckily, Lucretia is bringing Marcus. Ike shows up, who, like Percy, is not dead either. Not yet, anyway. Guns are drawn, shots are fired, and when the smoke clears, everyone except Lucretia and Dante are dead. They pop back to the ship and leave. Apparently, the pursuing raiders weren't really a concern. The story ends on the question, where are those seeds? As Percy stares at them inside Marcus's kaleidoscope. Hey, so long, goodbye. <clears throat> I, I, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but doggone it, I was really hoping Percy was dead. Um, 
Dante should have done it for sabotaging the ship again. Well, for like actually, the third time. Um, I made three notes while you were giving your overview. <laughs> Point number one, we do not know that she committed sabotage. Point number two, the name is Marco, not Marcus. And number three, it's Dion. They say Dion, but it's spelled Diony, and that's a common mispronunciation yeah. of Diony. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was looking up, so anyway, I just... Uh, but we don't... They do call it Dion. Uh, Dion. I, I will yeah. agree. But they yeah. also call it the Tulip, and so I just felt necessary to correct yeah, okay, Although okay. Marcus is probably it's Marco. auto-correct yeah. fixing it. <laughs> yeah. It's Marco as in Polo. Marco Polo. Fair enough. Um, yeah, and we don't quote... Uh, see my air quotes? We don't know Percy sabotaged it, but Dante knows she sabotaged it, and Lucretia knows she sabotaged it, and the audience knows she sabotaged it, and she winks practically at the camera to say, I sabotaged it. And since she's done it before, I think it's safe to say she did it. I, I, I'm going to go out there because that's her personality. She also screwed up the computer so that it calls Lucretia sweetheart and stuff. So that, that part was funny. Yeah, uh, it was it was I, I guess if you're not a computer programmer, but okay. Uh, it's like I, I just I thought you know you you just don't you just don't screw around with the stuff that controls your spaceship. <laughs> uh, it's just not a good idea. You don't break things when you don't have spare parts just because you want to go shopping. You do particularly things like air breathing is kind of important. It also makes me wonder how the heck this ship works. I mean, if they just have the three that she's talking about, her quarters, Lucretia's quarters, and Dante's quarters, where do they get the air for the rest of the ship? I mean, the parts that have air. It it was... Uh, it's not clear how the air system works. Yeah. But at least the air is normally clear. <laughs> Yeah. You can't see it most of the time. There's a little bit of steam here and there from time to time. But anyway, I, I'm 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 gonna I'm just gonna walk away from what a waste of human flesh I think Percy is. Uh and since she really doesn't do much of anything in this episode from that point on, I think we can just dispense of the fact that I'm not gonna just spend my weeks picking on her for the rest of for the rest of the run of this show. Mm -hmm. Um Marco. Yeah. What about Marco? Does he know where the seeds are all along? I didn't get that impression. I've seen this episode, I don't know how many times over the years. Um, I um, I got the impression that um, Ike had hidden them in, somewhere in, in, the, in the last minute, and Marco had no idea. I, I couldn't tell. I mean, looking at the story the way it goes, it felt like he did not i'm i will completely and absolutely agree to that he he did not seem you know when he brought the raiders in it seemed to be genuinely because he thought they could torture the answer out of dante which means ike knew where it was and if marco knew where they were the last thing he'd want was for dante to tell them where it was so that made that gambit made no sense if he knows where they are of course, they were in his precious kaleidoscope, or I think that's what we're supposed to yes. get out of the end. And at the beginning, they make a big deal out of the fact that the kaleidoscope is not for sale, as if it's incredibly precious, as if Marco knows. And I just couldn't make sense of it one way or the other. I, I, well, when he said he was, it wasn't for sale, so I took it he just 
didn't like the thug in front of him. He didn't want that guy having it. I guess. I mean, I thought it was just a, a you know, a throwaway, throwaway bit of world building there until we get to the very end and you see the seeds in there. And also when they're trying to get Marco off the ship, right? He is desperate to go back and get his stuff, which yes. he does not get. Lucretia shoves him off the ship and, you know, we'll mail it to you. I could indicate that he thinks there's something valuable in there, the seeds. But I just, I couldn't make head or tail out of it. And in this case, I asked because I know sometimes when they re-edit these things, they come out different. So no difference in that aspect? There is no difference in that aspect. No, in fact, the major difference between the original version and the Redux version is we have managed to cut out um, Rudolfo's Yay. opening transmission. Okay. <laughs> well, that's always good. Well, um, sometimes they're actually relevant and they reveal something about character. Um, this time, well, after I, I, today I did watch the episode on Amazon Prime. Then I got out the DVD and watched the first part of the unaltered episode. And... Uh, Rudolfo was explaining just was about how we um, choose our friends, but not our family. Thematically, I guess it fits. Um, and he also here's uh, explains something, reveals something of his character, which his given name is Rudolph. He calls himself Rudolfo because it sounds exotic. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Um, you know, you do. Okay. They say you choose your friends, but not your family. But, uh, clearly, uh, Dante chose his, chose his wife and that's his family. So it kind of, it kind of doesn't fit. <laughs> and Ike would have chosen Penny for his family, but he didn't. Yeah. So again, it's kind of, and clearly Penny chose, so I, 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 I understand that you can't pick your kids for example, or yeah. your, your parents or your brothers and sisters, but some family members, you, you get to choose. And the only ones we really see, well, except for Percy. And of course, I agree. You wouldn't pick her. Um, if she, if it were an option for nieces, that would definitely not be in the, in the list for me, but hmm, okay. So, so Marco is just, we probably doesn't, doesn't know. I mean, it's possible Ike stuck it in the most valuable thing Marco had. It's like his personal, you know, I love this thing. I love my kaleidoscope. It's like my favorite possession. So he hid it in there, maybe, because he knew he wouldn't sell it, for example, because that would be embarrassing. Um, <laughs> where's the kaleidoscope? I sold it. What? And speaking of those seeds, this is episode 12. Yeah. We will hear of them. We will hear of them again. Well, I would hope they didn't waste my time with this and then go nowhere with it. Um, you'll, you'll hear about them in episode 22 and before. It's it's a big, it's obviously meant to be a big deal. And technologically, it would be a big deal. So I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay it. I mean, it's, a, it's an extremely important concept if you're trying to colonize worlds. That if you can, you can increase the oxygen level uh, without having to use equipment and decades of machinery and whatnot. And that's a, that's a good thing. I can also tell you that uh, after having seen all 44 episodes, I'm still not entirely sure what those seeds were supposed to do. And it's not for lack of paying attention. Right. So if you take a planet like Mars, which clearly has been terraformed in this series to some degree, because they can exist out on the surface without spacesuits, you know, there, there's talk about Elon Musk trying to 
nuke the planet to create dust clouds to trap heat and uh, water vapor. And, and, and there's, it's a common theme throughout science fiction about having uh, huge factories that produce chemicals into the atmosphere, which is, are decades long, centuries long projects. It's a holy grail when you're stuck in a solar system filled with kind of unpromising rocks. But there's a limit to where just providing an atmosphere is going to do any good. So it might do good on, on Mars, and who knows, it might even do good on the ruined Earth or, or, or the moon. But you still have to find a way to keep the atmosphere, and you, you still have to have enough heat from somewhere and light to to do it. So it, it's not a cure-all. They couldn't fly out to, to Neptune or, or Pluto, which is a little more rocky, and do it there. So it, it, it's, it sounds good as a thing, like this is an amazing advancement in terraforming technology. But would it, would it work or would there need to be more to go with it to make it, to make it function? But I conceptually like the idea. And obviously Lucretia thinks that that is uh, viable and she thinks it's uh, just the exact kind of thing Orchard would be doing because I think we're supposed to get that she suspects that Marco works for Orchard. You are getting warm. Because obviously she takes him down to the cells and she intentionally makes sure she is the one doing it. And she's like, have you got a message for me? As if she's expecting now they're in private time that they get to, uh, that they get to talk. And Marco seems like he is unaware, but he could just simply be a orchard agent and unaware that Lucretia is one. So I, I don't know. I don't know there. You kind of implied uh, previously, so it's not much point in me trying to keep it a secret, that the Raiders are actually working with Orchard. They are indeed. You know, that could be the tie-in there. Yes. And um, I'm, I'm going to tell you, again, to be speak very clearly here without, without spoiling, which is I have seen every episode where these seeds come up and where Earth comes up. And just drawing just to just play and connect the dots to follow, follow internal continuity. I'm still not sure what the seeds were supposed to do because that's how the story goes. So it's, that's the confusing part of of the okay. seeds. Okay. I, I have my, I have my theory is what they're actually for. In other but... words, what they are, what people say they're for may not be what they're for. Okay. <laughs> well, that fits with my theory because the, the term terraforming means make like Earth, and uh, my guess is is that it's to destroy Earth, that it's to take the Earth, the nasty, ratty place that it is now, and basically do whatever it is this thing does to it, so that someone can profit from it, either Orchard or the Raiders or whatnot. But but we will not. We will not. Uh, we will. Re this will come up again that. at the end of the season. Uh, we've already talked about whether or not he knew, because if he did know, then why did he go along with the torture and to that, to that, to that? I take Marco at his word when he said he was working for Just himself. Just working for himself. Now, maybe he's like some of those people who work for the orchard, but no, but don't know they are. But ultimately, but ultimately, um, he was loyal to himself. 
It, I mean, it seems like the kind of thing that a big shadowy cabal of of people would be interested in. And so therefore it's, you know, from Lucretia's standpoint, it's logical to assume that there's some orchard involvement here, but there is an episode coming up called bad seed. Guess what comes up in that? Percy. It must be Percy. The seeds. Uh, And um, the seeds come up in episodes 21 and 22 again, and they even come up in season two. Mm. Mm. Why did Lucretia help? find the the contact on the planet um again i take her at a word that she she wanted to help dante and um it was the quick and easy way to get the information ramifications from this being the first time that suddenly she shows that she has some secret the ramifications will come up in the next few episodes because clearly she tipped her hand a little bit that she is more than just the first officer aboard aboard the ship because and and i note that they paralleled the scene almost exactly i'm going to my quarters off to quarters look up orchard data come back to the bridge here's the guy's name at the end of the episode after those guys all died and the seeds are missing i'll be off to my quarters and then she leaves which i kind of halfway thought we would follow her back to her quarters and hear her have a conversation with her dad and I think that's what we're supposed to believe happened, but obviously they didn't show it to us. No, you won't have to wait for long. Just one more episode. I, the, the, I just waited with bated breath. <laughs> I was just, um, I was just checking the synopsis for, for for the next episode, and I was right in my memory that um, that's where um, Dante re well um, well just part my French is where the shit hits the fan. Okay, so now we have the Raiders. Ooh, they, and they, 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 look, they look all scruffy. I, yes, so a couple of questions with regards to the Raiders. The first question is, Dante's in a cell, okay, with, with the others, and Marco comes in with two guys who are Raiders. At 10 to 15 feet away, backlit, coming out of the elevator, or the door, or wherever they're coming out of, Dante looks at them, instantly knows they're raiders. How the heck can he spot a raider when they're dressed just like every other scruffy person we've seen in this entire series? What What is it about them that makes you go, raiders? Probably good guesswork based on who would be after the seeds. It's like which nefarious group? Is he didn't even a, know they were seeds, is, or anything. Where it's, it, 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 it's something. There's are these people invading the ship. Why, what is the short list of candidates of people who, who are going to do that? Hmm. I would have thought that it was whatever sort of mafia gang that they were involved in, but because um, it seemed like it was sort of a criminal underground thing, and that's not what the raiders are. I mean, that's not what they appear to be in this series. They appear to be a pack of uh, wolves out on the fringes raiding things and and occasionally having a corporate get-together cotillion. Um, but um, And working with the orchard, which, is, which actually looks, and the orchard looks respectable because of its corporate connections and its prominent members, but the orchard really isn't very nice either. Well, no, I wouldn't. I, I'm sure they aren't. Um, 
But um, what I thought was uh, really kind of sad, looking to the future as, as we are, we, we now know that the Raiders have, they have ships, they have uh, the ability to build a, a bit of a space station-y thingy out of their ships, they have clans, they have organizational hierarchy, they have uh, planning meetings, they have, you know, jamboree, uh, they've got communications officers, and, you know, it looks like a whole hierarchy of bureaucracy, all of which is fine. I, I'm not, I'm not picking on that. I'm just saying that, you know, we, we, in that, in the last episode, I think it was Black Light, we got to look at the Raiders, and they're a lot more organized, and they're a lot more, uh, whether it's militarized or whether it's civilized or whatever it happens to be, they're a lot more than just a scraggly gang of guys running around in the ass. But what they clearly do not have is comprehensive dental plan for their employees. Cause those guys had some ratty teeth yeah. um, that were, that were in on this episode. And I, and I think that's a shame because I think healthcare should be a right. And here we are, bang off 300 years in the future and it's still it's still up to your employer and employers suck when it comes to this stuff so i i was i was outraged well um i'll i'll add to that this um there are raiders and there are raiders and there's some with very good dentist apparently hmm yeah, well, that's the kind of the point the guy that was working the thing uh the the communications looked relatively spit and polish when they communicated with him. Right. I mean, that was, yes. that was like a professional communications relay that they were running there. And, and suddenly you just get this whole different depth to what the Raiders are. But uh, in this, now they talk a lot about settlers um, yes. and trying to take that on face value and, and notwithstanding my theories about their, their plans of, of, wiping out existing colonies and replacing them with their own. I don't, Dante is, is very, that's not what Raiders do, or I think it was, somebody was, somebody said that in the course of this episode. It wasn't my imagination that somebody said that's exactly the opposite of what Raiders yes, do. Yes, and this is a plot point going forward. But is it? I mean, it, it it's, it's a, you look at a bunch of people like the Raiders and we know they're the guys with the space malaria who can't have kids, but now we know that they're an organization and an organization has growth issues and expansion issues. And it, it makes perfect sense that they want to be settling places and setting up bases in their own governments and, and running on. So it didn't strike me as that weird, but it's kind of hard to get, a good feel for the Raiders in this show because the only thing we ever see the Raiders is through the filter of what Dante thinks they are. Yeah, that's true. Dante right? is our filter. And, and he's got a very definitive idea about the evil of the Raiders. And that is not to say that they are not, but you know, there's, there could be some good people on both sides of this argument. Um, I, <laughs> Oh, I, um, Anything I would say right now would be, would be a spoilery, spoilery, yeah. and you'd have to cut it. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to know either, because see, it's not just cutting it. I don't want it in my head, so that that's fine. I just I point those things out for when when the time comes later, and we go, aha, see, it it didn't make a a, a whole lot of sense. Now, 
the only thing I think that I have left is the conundrum of whether or not Dante is right to bargain for his son's life with these seeds. I made a note about that too. I ask myself the question, is there anything that Dante wouldn't do to get his son back? There isn't. I mean, if, if they said, if the Raiders said, look, give your son back right now. Here he is. Put him on the shuttle. Send him over there. Put a bullet in Percy's head. Would he do it? I mean, I would. But but for different reasons. <laughs> um, I, I do it as a bonus. But, but uh, I, I, you know, uh, we're going to kill a thousand people on this planet if you give us this. If you give us that bomb, we'll blow up a colony, but we'll give you your son. Would he do it? I mean, is, is there any limit? Is there anything he wouldn't do to get that boy back? That's, at least for these, to be very little. It's, he's, he's that driven. I don't trust people that are that dedicated to a cause. I mean, I understand the desperation, but if you can't look at your actions and say that's a bridge too far, then you're a dangerous being. And I don't know. I mean, I got the feeling that this is, this is way, a bridge way too far. These seeds are a big deal. They're bigger than you know. That. But I mean, they're a big, big deal. And it will not end well for somebody if these seeds are used. Guaranteed. And I feel like the character of Dante should have gleaned that from this conversation as well. And so I, I, I just like, this does not seem like the thing you should be bargaining with. To try to get your son back. But Don and Dante's rationale was it's the only thing he was the only bargaining chip he had. Yes, it is. Um, I'm not denying that, but. And what I know, one of the, one of the definitions of irony in drama is that the audience in this case, someone like me who's seen all who's seen all the episodes knows something the characters don't, and I know that it wouldn't have made a difference. But Dante didn't know that. Okay, well, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see where it goes. But um, th those are really the things we pulled out. I mean, I guess we have the bit with Ike and Dante talking about Penny, but I don't. It it does fill in the background on um, Penny Montana and Dante Montana. But does it really tell us anything about them? Because that fills in a little bit. Not much, but it's a way of getting Ike into the story uh, and seeing how he and Dante know each other. In this case, um, I did make a note about... I did make actually two notes here. One is Ike should not blame Dante for his, for his Ike's troubles ike made those right. himself and um because of that number two dante should not feel guilty about it but somehow he does right the, the yes um and these are relatively common human foibles they are so i won't i won't go out there and say that that isn't believable because but it is believable what what doesn't seem to work for me is we're introduced to this concept and you know ike says well you can see ike's still salty about this a little bit and he brings it up 
uh, in which case Dante slaps him down with, oh, she's been dead 10 years. Oh, okay. Well, uh. and and that should have been enough for him to say, yeah, enough. I This didn't work out well for you either, right? Exactly. I collects the basic quality of empathy. Yeah. And then, right, and then they all go with the sun thing and and he's he clearly again he, he's he's salty about it dante feels guilty about it everyone points it out to him lucretia points it out to him in no uncertain terms you don't steal a person unless they want to be stolen and you know penny made the choice there is absolutely nothing you should feel guilty about it's all fine but when we get to that scene at the end where ike turns up again and now you can tell from his comments that he was lying earlier when he said, yeah, all right, fine. I'm over it. He is not. Oh, he's definitely not remotely, not, over not the slightest bit. Dante is a nasty jerk that stole his girl and he probably hates him. And then he gets shot and dead and that's the end of it. Goes nowhere. And that's what's weird about it. It, it feels like a piece of... It feels like a piece of story that was supposed to go somewhere, and it did not. And and if if Ike revealed to Dante, no, I don't forgive you. You ruined my life. Did that, did that. I would think that would make Dante go when he leaves the ship. He's like, yeah, right. Screw him. You know, that's that's he's be he was unreasonable and, and tough. Um, you know, but he doesn't. He seems worse about it, and that. I don't know. It it just seemed like there should have been something more to it. Unless, of course, Ike's still alive and turns up again. Ike is dead at this point. He, he clearly faked his death at the beginning of the episode. Right. And then found some alternative transportation. I still don't know if... Um, yeah, right. He couldn't get there, but, but he did. I still don't know if um, he was um, lying about the reactor core in his ship. Um, but he obviously found transportation and he clearly was in a position where he knew people who were probably had ships. So I, I can buy that. So except that before he knew Dante was going to be there, he got beat up and he says to Marco, you know, I need to get off this station, but I have no way off this station. Or was he, um, We've established that Ike lies. True. Um, and even liars mix true statements in with their lies. It makes their other lies believable. The, um, But I did wonder uh, what Ike's plan would have been had the transutopian not pulled into the dock yeah. that day. Because how was he supposed to get how, – how do you think he was going to get to the um, – the uh the place the 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 bar um i don't know yeah it just it just was mm. <laughs> but, but like speaking a, of that like bar so yeah but speaking of that bar i did think the i, I rather liked the way people filmed the confrontation at the bar and we've already actually got the unfolding of this three-sided deal uh, that Ike and Marco and uh, maybe let, let me pronounce this correctly if I can. Good luck. Cool. John. Uh, yeah. And, and whoever, and that 
illiterate idiot who does the subtitles for Amazon Prime should either <laughs> bother to read the closing credits because then he would find the spelling of these names. But I did, um, I do have a little trivia for you. That was a, not just a surname somebody pulled out of the air. It's actually the surname of the boom operator for for the first season. Okay. Fair enough. I thought I actually saw that name in the credits as it was rolling by. Yeah. So I, <laughs> that did cross, I didn't see what title it was or who it was, but I was just kind of half looking at the credits and, and caught a glimpse of the, of the name. I go, oh, yes. And apparently this was the, um, apparently the fictional Kumyun John was the husband of Mrs. Kumyun John who had the gay shih tzu. So all these people, all these people seem to know each other. Fair enough. Yes, I gotta say, I'll, I'll give um, Michael Pare this. Um, he can he can mangle Shih Tzu better than anyone I've ever heard. He he managed to get away with Shih Tzu. <laughs> like uh, hey, he, he uh, said, uh, <laughs> and and actually, actually, he and he did say. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> so. I mean, he said it. He said it without without putting zoo behind it. Yeah, but uh, it was he. He was sounding like Villacana there at that moment in his in uh, Greatest American Hero for for a couple times in this episode too. So yeah, I remember. I remember that series. Yeah, and and um, oh, there was something. There's a point that I did have in my mind, and um, we went on to another topic mm-hmm. so um, yeah. i guess i'll come back circle back around to it the raiders on the in the two seasons of star hunter actually seem to me to be a to be for lack of a better word realistic in the sense that i can understand how they would work and that how they would have an organization and how they would keep their ships flying the i contract i contrast i contrast this with the reavers in firefly where i just don't know how they keep anything going it, it's it's not a particularly um i don't know if we've aired those episodes of the podcast well by the time this goes out we certainly will i have my problems with the reavers just simply because they as you say they, they don't make any sense that they would continue on um, the Raiders a little bit better, and yet at the same time they kind of have the same, I don't say the same backstory because that's not true. But in other words, biological experiments on somebody gone wrong. At least that was what the Raiders were back in the second well, episode. But, but episode, if you remember when the early and um, the really early podcast when we were talking about some of these episodes, I said, but at some point. Obviously, they could have kids. They just decided they liked doing this, which, yeah, it became a, it, it, it it became a lifestyle for them. If you steal children, it's because you can't have children. Those stolen children can have children. So eventually, those children will be having children, and and there is nothing you can do short of surgery to stop that from happening. Right, because um, that's what people do. But people got but but. It, but but stealing children has become part of the culture of the raiders <clears throat> it's not without it's not without some precedent in anthropological circles stealing people from other 
tribes to to fill out your numbers has been a thing that's been done although i think probably it's more likely women that are stolen or or girls but um you know it's it's not without it's not without precedent so could be it, it's 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 easy to take a look at a oh i i hate using this term but i'm going to use it anyway it's one thing to look at a quote unquote primitive culture and say okay this tribe steals from that tribe and it's a it's a cultural thing i have trouble buying it in a spacefaring race well that was that was i my complaint about the reavers is like i just don't believe that they could continue to be spacefaring they just couldn't do it the reavers are insane yeah they they couldn't continue to to fly and repair and maintain ships and eventually they'd kill each other off and da, 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 da. but he, here um I, I would i'd need to hear some justification coming from them you know we had a justification in what was it trust or family values one of the two where they sure. said we're sterile and we have to have family values uh, well that was the one with family values so third episode you know we can't have kids so we have to steal kids so that we can have families too as i say that falls down as soon as those kids reach majority well, there was a little maturity. bit as you've already picked up on there was a little bit of retconning after retconning, that episode. okay yeah so now for them to do that they have to have a reason it it, it can't be the sky demons tell us to or you know the great Poobah says steal kids. How about this? I, I need something better than that. How about this? They actually believe they're doing the kids a favor. And I would accept that if they could give me that. If they could give me that. Anything that we've seen so far in the Raiders that that believe that. But I don't know. But I, but I haven't seen anything about the Raiders that make them think that their lifestyle is a good But thing. just think about this. From the episodes we have seen thus far. So no spoilers here. Right. Remember Electra from Blacklight? Yep. What did she say? Which I totally forget, which I totally forgot to mention was uh, like a reject from Blade Runner. But okay. She said something about there'd be legions of girls who'd love to have your baby or something right. of that nature. Okay. But what did she say about being a Raider? She didn't miss her family. She said, she said they did. They said that when the Raiders abducted her, they did her a favor. This is obviously a paraphrase, but that was the idea. So you think about it, so if, if we just extrapolate from there and say, so we have all, so we have these large numbers of uh, raiders who are absolutely grateful to be raiders, then they would, by logical extension, they think they're doing other people a favor by abducting them and killing their parents. Maybe. Maybe. So... I got the impression that Electra was either a bit older when she was taken than say Travis. She was. And I and it could and you get the impression that she had some form of a an abusive, awful family. That's what, that was what she said, yes. Okay. We don't get any indication, although admittedly Dante is dumb enough and violent enough that he could actually be a, a brutal abusive father. Although, again, Percy but doesn't show signs that he does Dante, that. So. But that wasn't Dante's character, I can tell you that. Okay. So, 
there's an awful lot of kids out there in this world right now who have terrible parents. And if the Raiders really cared about welfare of the kids, I think they'd be more selective because they must understand that there's good parents and bad parents and they think they're being good parents. So they must, they must believe that there are people who can be good parents and they have a whole, whole worlds full of kids who have abusive parents. That makes far more sense. You know, or or how about knock over an orphanage or two whenever you need kids or, you know, any number of things. So I need I need more about the Raiders ethos. And for me to say this makes sense yet. Well, as much sense as it can make, we're talking about twisted logic, of course. We're talking about we're talking about self-justification. I, I I know, and I and this is kind of an interesting topic for me because there are a lot of people in this world who believe a lot of weird things, and they will justify whatever it is in their mind because that's what they they want to 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 believe, right? That that vaccinations don't work or whatever it happens to be. Of course. Um, and they don't make sense. Okay. I'll, I'll just say it right now. I, I, you, you, they can explain it from now until the cows come home and it doesn't make sense. It's illogical. Some of them are just absolutely, completely loony. And you, you have to sit there and accept it and go, they're just broken or <laughs> so I'm picking on it, but you know, that, that, that just doesn't make any sense. But when I'm presented with a character in a show that's been written by somebody it it's very much like i can't even give the example but uh, my wife is from taiwan and when we go to taiwan uh it, it's less now but i'm sure you've seen it you've seen websites where they they put up samples of chinese shirts that are written in english that make oh, no chinglish. sense chinglish yes um we would oh, go yes. through the night markets and you could just look at these shirts and they would be English words, but they would be put together in a way that was impossible for me to recreate. I can't even recite them. They're I've out heard, of my mind. Oh, there are. Right? I've seen, um, I've done online searches with signs and I thought, uh, I they're, wouldn't, they're, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even repeat this. Yeah. They're, 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 they're so, they can be so out of order, the wrong word content, just non sequiturs. And there's no logic to it that you could, as an English speaker, there's no logic to it that you can look at it. You just go like, that's just, that's just words like, like refrigerator magnets thrown up on the thing. And so when I take my eyes away from it and somebody say, what did that shirt say? I go, it said something like Tecumseh, the, the road horse am lawnmower. And you just, and that makes more sense than what the shirt actually made because my brain is still trying to put subject verb in into that order. And then you look at the shirt again, and it's like, nope, that's not what it said. It it still it makes less sense. And and so the people who are really believe these things and really self justify these things in their mind are the shirts. But when a writer writes it down, 
it's wrong. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work because the shirt the, the 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 script has to have a logic to it. And so it's really, really hard to convey somebody that just completely doesn't make any sense. And so they're gonna have to give me something here. They're gonna have to give me something on the Raiders that I can at least make the leap and go, Alright, that's crazy, but I can see them I can see him doing it. And and that that's probably my problem because right now the pieces of the Raiders, not only do they not fit, but they don't feel like they're from the same puzzle. And and those bits that are there, you're just looking at it going, Well, I, I know this is supposed to be a picture of a of a, a beautiful meadow field, but why is there a a, a semi truck? in it (laughs) it just doesn't it it doesn't quite it doesn't quite work for me yet so the raiders just don't seem well thought out at this point and you know it it they they stole dante's kid and and now they've built up a a they're trying to build him into something much bigger than just a bunch of child thieves and suddenly it all begins to break down because now you realize that the raiders can actually think and that the Raiders actually can plan, and that the Raiders actually have a civilization, and, and yeah, I don't know. I think of them as a cult. Well, we've seen plenty of those in this show. It's what they do. Have we yet seen any Raiders that get out of the cult? You will. Because that is, that's a thing uh, that, that happens. Sometimes when people get sucked into a cult, uh, sometimes they get out. Yes. And so that might provide some answers. I think of them as being programmed. Well, in a way, so are we all. (laughs) Well, we talk about, we talk talk about deprogramming ex cult members, for example. Yeah. Right. These are, these are programmed people. I don't know that I have anything else. The, um, I thought it was funny at the, at the beginning at the, at the space station where it was a weapons free zone. It means no weapons and nothing is free. I thought that's what they said, but I will admit, as that started off, I was kind of still getting my note taking up and whatnot, and so I'm I'm kind of in this. Okay, it's this background noise. Uh, did he, did he just say no weapons and nothing is free? That's yeah. what he said. Okay. Also, we got callbacks to the man who sold the world and to Cell Game. I did not pick up any of those callbacks. Uh, the man who commanded the, the, the uh, anti uh, Hersey uses the antivirus program she developed oh, in yeah, right, The right, Man right, Who Sold right. the yeah. World. And she does tell oh, yeah, the Billy Toonami, uh, Marco thing. about this, about that. The We'll get more into the seeds in future episodes. And the next episode is The Most Wanted Man, which is where we are episode number 13 and we will that's where the tension in this in this season really begins to escalate as we head toward the big reveal about how these stories we've seen so far relate to one another well it won't be a moment too soon for them to start trying to make sense so and the most wanted man does fill does fill in a bunch of the mythology um very nicely okay well then that will be that will be next time when we're looking at star hunter redux kenna thank you for joining me my pleasure and listeners 
I will. I will hope. I hope you will join us again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, we're going to be taking a look at two more episodes of The Invisible Man. Next time, it's Bernard Once Out and Go Directly to Jail. Come join the conversation.